0: Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I'm Jens Nelson. And I'm Lucas Stock. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ Church. So on today's Christians of History episode, we're uh, keeping it in the family, so to speak, because uh, this is the first time that we are Discussing a family member of a former Christian of history. If you recall, uh, Augustine of Hippo was our, our first Christian of history that we explored, uh, and since then we've you know we've made our way through some very interesting terrain, and we're sort of looping all the way back to Augustine as we talk about his mother, uh, as uh, as Lucas is going to begin explaining. So uh, Lucas, why don't you take it away?
1: Yeah. So it's funny when we originally planned to record this episode. It, it was right after the the two feast days for um, Saint Augustine and Saint Monica, his mother. So it was it was supposed to be a timely episode <laughs> um, but you know, plans changed. So here we are about you know a week or two later at this point. Um, but uh, it is interesting and kind of fun to note that uh, Saint Monica and her son Saint Augustine or Augustine are, remembered in you know liturgical calendars you know like it was i forget the date but it was thursday was saint monica and friday was saint augustine and i think that's kind of cool to you know like john's mentioned when you have this familial like like blood family connection you know obviously you know we're all you know descendants of abraham through faith but as far as like actually like you know monica raised augustine and it's cool to get to Look back on her life as well as her much more famous son's life, and also if right. you, if you follow the calendar, you know, like remember both of them. Um, you know, they each get their own day, but they're right next to each other, which I think is just kind of a cool little. I don't even know what the word would be. It's just a cool little thing. No,
0: little factoid of history yeah quick quick sidebar as we as we sort of have joked several times disputing about uh, you know about if it's augustine or augustine <laughs> i heard a third pronunciation no way i was i was meeting with a friend uh over the weekend and he's like i heard i heard somebody say um augustine yeah, <laughs> that, like, that's, that's that's that ain't
1: it that's someone i don't think it's augustine only ever read it and never heard anybody say it before <laughs> <laughs> so i thought that was kind of funny anyway back to it Thankfully, uh, Monica is a much simpler name to pronounce. So we're just going to go with Monica (laughs) for today. Um, So uh, St. Monica, mother of Augustine. (laughs) Uh, I just said we were going to avoid it, but here we are. So St. Monica uh, was born approximately in 322 in Tagast, uh, which is in modern day Algeria in North Africa her parents were christians um we don't really know anything about her upbringing or her early life pretty much everything that has survived and come down to us about her life and what she was like um comes through um augustine's writings specifically the confessions there is a a decent i know you've been i know you've read it before and you've been reading through the confessions recently i think right
0: so, yeah, actually, <laughs> I realized that I haven't read nearly as much as I had thought. Uh, oh, okay. I've every Every day at lunch, I've been making my way through the confessions again, and I actually jumped ahead to uh, where he talks about creation. He talks about Genesis 1, and it's just fascinating. So, mm, yeah, gotcha. I really enjoy the confessions.
1: Yeah. So I think it's in, I have it pulled up here. It's in uh, book, book 9 um, is kind of where he talks a lot about his, his mother, um, Monica. I have not read the confessions. I, I, I read a couple sections, you know, up to get some info about St. Monica, but I haven't read it. I'm looking forward towards the end of the semester in one of my classes, I'm going to be reading, I think through the whole thing. So, um, definitely, you know, looking forward to that. Um, so anyway, most of the information, most of the knowledge that we have of her comes from, um, specifically the confessions of of her son um but we do know i, I think a, a decent amount considering um sort of you know the place of women in the ancient world and the fact that she didn't you know produce a biography of her life you know which is sort of what was important to augustine is what we have basically um but i think he did a good job of kind of giving us a good idea of her character. Um, So we know that, uh, like I said, she was born in uh, modern day Algeria um, and she was born to Christian parents. And when she was uh, fairly young, she was married to Patricius, who was a pagan. And he seems to have been basically not an upstanding guy at all. (laughs) Um, He doesn't seem to have treated her very well. He doesn't seem to have lived a very upright or moral sort of life in regards to his marriage and also just probably in general. Um, But Augustine does point out that um, Monica became basically, you know, through this, both to her children and then also um, to other uh, people in her community. She kind of became known for her, like, peaceful and, you know, humble attitude and behavior and spirit, even towards her husband, who was terribly mistreating her. Um, and in in the confessions, Augustine even um, says that um, between any disagreeing and discordant parties where she was able, she showed herself such a peacemaker um, that hearing on both sides most bitter things uh, she would never disclose anything of one unto the other but what might tend to their reconcilement it's kind of an older translation i have here but um so it she was just kind of known as this peacemaking uh personality and um you know that extended really to to everything you know he uh, he, uh her husband patricius uh criticized her because she had she was very pious and gave you know to the poor and stuff you know like what christians were known to do (laughs) um but and i think it's probably because of her attitude you know though at least that's what augustine thinks is is he she kind of despite him being not a good person or husband patricius like respected her which is kind of a funny thing to say considering that he mistreated her but like i think you know kind of in his own sort of you know pagan way, I guess, <laughs> had like a a certain level of, of um, respect or at least understanding for uh, Monica's sort of quiet strength, I guess we could say. Um, and ironically enough, uh, right before, you know, shortly before he died, uh, he actually was one to the faith and became a Christian and was baptized, um, thanks in no small part, uh, probably primarily to the witness of St. Monica, which is pretty cool. Um, Monica had three children, at least that we know of. Augustine was the oldest, and then he had two younger siblings. Um, and he, you know, as, as a lot of people probably know, um, he didn't grow up to be the most, <laughs> uh, what's the word? The most, like, easy child for a Christian mother to, to raise. Um, so I kind of jumped ahead a little bit. But so when her children were born, because her husband at the time was still a pagan, he actually didn't allow her to, to have them baptized, um, which was the practice, you know, at, at that time uh, in the church. And um, that caused her a great deal of, like, uh, concern, and she was very distraught about that. And at one point, he, Augustine, I mean, became really sick, And, um, you know, she kind of used that to, uh, you know, encourage Augustine's father to allow Monica to baptize him or have him baptized. But um, uh, he he gave in. But then as soon as Augustine got better, he kind of took that offer back. So Augustine was never baptized, you know, throughout his youth, despite his mother's desire and and prayers and, uh, you know, Un, you know, discomfort with, with, with him not being baptized. Um, and then as he got older, this is where, you know, the, the, the story of, of Augustine kind of comes a little bit to, you know, the, the part we're familiar with, you know, he was, he was basically a wayward child. <laughs> he went to study rhetoric in Carthage where he kind of came under the influence of the, the Manichaeans, which were a um, religious group, philosophical sect, we can kind of probably describe them as, as somewhat Gnostic, where they had this sharp divide between between uh, the material world, which was evil and the spiritual world, which was good. Um, and, you know, later in Augustine's earlier writings, when he's a Christian, we're, we're going to see him really sort of critiquing Manichaeism and kind of, you know, dismantling what he was, you know, once a, a part of. Um, and he, he, you know, as part of this, as we know, he, he lived a fairly immoral life and for, there was a time where Monica actually wouldn't let him eat or sleep in her house because of his, uh, you know, sinful and promiscuous lifestyle. Um, but she never stopped praying for him. She never stopped being concerned, uh, for him. And there's actually a pretty... Uh, it it's in the it's in the confessions and and I'm, I've also seen it in some of the other sources I've I've uh, um consulted. But at one point, Monica talked to a bishop and kind of like, you know, brought her her fears about Augustine being wayward and and sinful and rejecting the faith and and you know her wanting him to to come to faith and the and the bishop, you know, she was weeping and kind of you know just pouring out her heart before the Bishop and the Bishop, you know, his comfort to her was um, the child of those tears shall never perish. Um, and, and I saw it rendered another way um, that it is not possible that the son of these tears should be lost. So um, whether that, you know, is an actual quotation or kind of more of a rhetorical, you know, retelling that Augustine kind of <laughs> throws into the confessions. I think it's a really amazing testament to, Monica's, uh, attitude towards him and her earnestness in her desire for him to be saved and how that never really wavered despite years of him rejecting her pleas and rejecting the faith. Um, and, you know, reject he did, um, because he, uh, Augustine was, was going to go to Rome and Monica was like, I'm coming with you. And he basically tricked her and snuck off to Rome without her. But she followed him there. And then when she got there and found out that he had actually moved on to Milan, she then followed him to Milan and found him. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, kind of, I think she, she moved in with him for a time. I'm not sure exactly. Um, But again, just that persistent Christian mother, you know, chasing after the, the prodigal son, you know, if you will, um, I, I think it's such a beautiful picture of of not, you know, I'm not a mother, I'm not a parent, but I can't imagine, you know, what she felt for all those years um, when he was so right. just hard against the faith. Um, and as we also know, eventually, uh, thanks to uh, Ambrose um, and thanks to the prayers of i'm sure many others but especially monica augustine did come to the faith um and they were able to basically spend um a few months together where they were kind of were on this this new like level of their relationship where he was now a christian and they had they had peace um, but it was not too long after that that she she got sick and and she passed away um, and before before she like shortly before she got sick, like a few days before she got sick, they were traveling together and they were kind of taking a a, a respite, I think. Um, and they were having this this conversation about 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 faith, about the kingdom of God, I believe is is what the heading, um, the kingdom of heaven. Um, it's chapter 10 in, in book nine of the confessions. Um, and they were having this 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 conversation. And there was there's this quote that really stuck out to me. And I'll just wrap up basically, um, with with these words of of St. Monica. Um, And she says, she's speaking to Augustine. She says, Son, for mine own part, I have no further delight in anything in this life. What I do here any longer, and to what I am here, I know not, now that my hopes in this world are accomplished. One thing there was for which I desired to linger for a while in this life, that I might see thee, Augustine, a Catholic Christian before I died my God hath done this for me more abundantly that I should now see thee withal, despising earthly happiness, become his servant. What do I do here? And just that idea of like, she sees him become a Christian and she's like, I'm good. You know, this is, this is all that I need to, to, to say that I'm, I'm satisfied with, with my earthly life. Um, And obviously she can can say that as a Christian, knowing what's, what's to come. Um, But I think it just, again, you know, the one theme I think that we can really take from the life of Monica is this devotion to God and, and to her family. Um, and seeing how she for years and years just was steadfast in her efforts and prayers and tears for Augustine while he was wayward. Um, I can only imagine, you know, uh, for those years where she was married to her husband when he was still a pagan, for the, her other children, I, I don't know if if they uh, like Augustine had had you know prodigal years or if they um, sort of were always in the faith that she that she certainly raised them in. But I, I can't imagine anybody around her not getting prayed for <laughs> um, right. just based on the Man. the impression that that we get from um, Augustine remembering how she treated him for so many years and. Um, a little late, uh, but I think it's great that we were able to to cover both Augustine and Monica, and especially when we when we reflect on what Augustine has contributed.
0: Um, well, I was gonna say, like, if it, you think about like his yeah. the impact that he made on the world, but especially the Christian world, it is. I mean, you can't put it on all all on Monica, of course, because like God working in his heart, of course, but like the like just as a great example to any parent today who. Mm-hmm. You know, is concerned about their child, who's concerned about maybe someone they know. Yeah, like you just never know what could happen.
1: Yeah, and I think um, in a, you know, this is I I don't know if this is true in, in the in the Roman Church as well, but but um, there's there's a page about Saint Monica on the the Antiochian Orthodox uh, uh website of the North American Archdiocese, and they mention that that um they say in the West, so I'm assuming that means Rome, but You know, um, Saint Monica is considered the patron saint of wives and mothers whose husbands or sons have gone astray. Um, Yeah, I read that too. Yeah, which you know, patron saint. uh, You know, I guess that's another episode, maybe. (laughs) But um, just like (laughs) you know, that's fitting. (laughs) That really, like, I can't imagine. I can't imagine a better patron saint for (laughs) wives or or mothers with a wayward um, children or or husbands. So. So yeah, St. Monica, sure. really I didn't really know much about her other than that she was Augustine's mother and and prayed for him a lot, but I'm I'm really glad to get to sort of dive into, especially reading even just little snippets from Augustine himself recounting his mother, you know, in his confessions is it's really mm. it's really powerful, I think, and and her testimony in her life is certainly a powerful one as as we've sort of been saying. So, so yeah, that's that's right. uh, that's Monica.
0: Sweet. Well, thanks man. I'll, I'll just throw out that you know if if any of our listeners um, are interested in monica or augustine or both uh, the sounds like one of the best places to go is the confessions and i i know that there are a ton of translations out there uh, the one that i have is the penguin classic edition and um, i think it was translated maybe the 50s or 60s but with like modern English mm-hmm. so it just it makes it a little bit you know more accessible a little bit more easy to read especially like in some of the more dense areas that are already like you have to think hard about the subject matter and that way you don't have to think hard about like you know just the verbiage of what right. is being communicated <laughs> so that's a you know penguin classics has a good one i'm sure there are other good you know modern yeah. uh you know translations but that's a, a good place to go so definitely uh is are you anything else you want to add or are, you, are we good
1: no I, th- I think i think we're good
0: all right well, thank you so much, Lucas, for taking the time to do a little bit of studying and, and thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. Uh, if you'd like to connect with us, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at doxologypodcast. Well, that's that's all one word. Or you can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We love, you know, feedback. We love questions, episode ideas. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter. Uh, check out logos.com slash doxologypodcast. Um, we'd really just love to hear from you.